episode of Clutch Points Podcast, the Nothing But Nets pod. I'm your host, Dave Early, Clutch Points beat reporter for the Brooklyn Nets. Here, as always, Brooklyn. (laughs) Close. Greg Dennis. Greg, how are you doing? Sounds like you're uh, you're already started on your Brooklyn Brigade chance. I'm excited. Obviously, it's a great time in Nets Nation right now. And uh, still still feeling pretty excited about what we saw last night in Orlando. Yeah, so Kyrie had like 50 points on 19 shots against the Hornets. KD shows up and drops 53 on the Knicks. And then Kyrie has like, forget what he had at the half. I think he had 18 in the first quarter and 25 in the second quarter. So maybe 43 at the half. He finishes with 60. His own career high, a Nets franchise game high record. Uh, I think he broke Deron Williams' standing record there. Uh, These guys are in some kind of groove, aren't they? It's unbelievable. And I mean, you know, it's it's not really surprising because this is what Kyrie Irving he's he's always been able to do this kind of thing. But um, it seems like the focus over the last year has not really been on his actual game. So that when he does it, you're kind of like, oh, oh that's right, he's amazing. Yeah, yes, there's all this other stuff we talk about when we talk about with him. But at the end of the day, he's just an incredible player who probably is actually underrated. Yeah, I think you might be right about that. What What do you mean underrated? Uh, I don't think he really gets his due as one of the best players ever, as one of the top guys in the league. I mean, it seems like we're always talking about a new guy, someone else. And part of it is that he plays a position where there's just, you know, you've got Steph Curry, you've got, Damian Lillard, you've got Chris Paul, you've got all these guys who are amazing players, but Kyrie Irving just seems like um, because of some of the narratives around his name, sometimes we forget he's he on any given night, he's just as good or better than all of those guys. Yeah, you could kind of feel like the game reminded me of I don't know if it was an all-star game. I think Michael Grady made this point on the Yes Network broadcast, maybe like an Olympic game where he had the Orlando crowd sort of eating out of his hand. And, you know, the way sometimes you watch Kobe Bryant play international basketball and the crowd just just in such awe of everything he does. That's kind of how it felt. Uh, At one point, they were chanting his name down in uh, Magicville. Yeah, yeah. it, It did feel a lot like that. Uh, hard to know if it was just the first thing Orlando has had to get excited about in the last 10 years, or if, um, you know, there were other things at play, like you said, or, or if it was just an incredible show and, and they were just happy to be witnessing it. Yeah, Kevin I, I'll say this. I don't think that would happen in uh, Philadelphia. I don't think that would happen in Madison Square Garden. I know it wouldn't happen in Boston. So, you know. Props to Orlando. Yeah, Kyrie, Kyrie got a lot of boos when they played in San Francisco against Golden State. So when you hear an audience chanting his name, you do wonder, like I wondered, is some of this political? Like, you know, my sister lives in Florida. It's not, it's not the most we're happy to have vaccine mandates and mask mandates country. 
So I wonder if, if there's some of those chants was not a hundred percent basketball related. Some of it was, we appreciate his stance. At least I thought that at the time. Um, Kevin Interesting. Durant, you think that's possible at all? Or am I just reaching? I don't think, you know, I don't know what the um, breakdown is of Orlando itself. I know yeah. Florida, like, like you said, is pretty, pretty mixed. Um, but yeah, that's, that's an interesting perspective. I, I don't know. Cause you would think if they would chant his name, why wouldn't they out in golden state? Like they appreciate good basketball and they were booing him every time he touched it. Maybe that goes back to, you know, the 2016 dagger, but maybe there was some, uh, you know, they have pretty s- strict, like New York city level, strict uh, vaccine stuff there. So I always just wonder, is this more than just the game? Um, but Kevin Durant said he could hear, even upon introductions, like there was a loud roar for Kyrie and they're like big Kyrie fans down there. They love his game. Uh, and that was clearly the case. This duo is on some kind of heater. Kyrie said after the game, like we're looking to make history, Kevin and I. Um, so it, it always brings us back to the standings and, you know, there's not many games left. Kyrie's only available for another three. As of now, it leaves us wondering where they're going to finish. I guess if it wrapped up right now, you have them playing in Toronto where Kyrie cannot play, and that's a tough challenge. We've talked about this for several weeks now. What do you think when you look at the standings? Yeah, I mean, they seem absolutely destined for the play-in. And I think when you talk about the play-in, you want to be you want to be one of the teams that don't have to win two in a row. I think that's that's the first goal. Second goal, obviously, like you said, is you want to have all your players. And for Brooklyn, that's where the Toronto matchup looms large because Toronto is, is a really good team. They have a lot of guys. They're really well coached. And that'd be scary if they had to go up there and win without Kyrie. Uh, I'd still like their chances with Durant. And who knows what will happen with the, with the whole Ben Simmons thing. But that's tough to go to, go to Toronto where they're playing really well. They've also got a lot of guys that that they can throw at Durant. Just not that any of them can guard them, but you know, Siakam's been playing really well. Scotty Barnes, um, OG Ananobi, just a lot of like rangy wing players that um, you know, e- even though they may not be able to stop Durant, match up better than most teams. Well, you know, and Tom uh, I wanted Thibodeau, to go, go ahead. When Tom Thibodeau sends an exotic blitz, a double team or a trap at Kevin Durant. He's doing it with Julius Randle as the second guy. KD can just still rise up or find an open man. But when Nick Nurse does it, you're, you're looking at some really, really best in class schemes and personnel to pull it off. So much scarier there. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I wanted to go back to um, Kyrie because, you know, obviously he's, he's, playing it seems like at a different level right now than anyone in the league and you know we've made so much about his part-time status and in some ways do you feel as though that is now almost giving him an unfair advantage where he's so fresh and so um you know just getting it's like it's like load management on steroids right where He's literally played in half the games. Do you think that this could actually become some variation of a trend where guys are just like, 
you know what? I'd rather play 60% of the games and be at the peak of my health and my talents. And yeah. also, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to that first question, I think it absolutely makes him better in the games where he appears. I mean, you're getting to see in essence, the basketball at its purest. Like when you watch March madness um, and they're playing these single elimination game tournaments, they're playing their, their best every possession and they're relatively fresh because they haven't played, you know, an NBA grind or if the NBA season were like 54 games or whatever, you play everyone twice, we would see these superstars go bananas because you tune in on any given night, you know, Joel Embiid was coming off a back-to-back game. Nikola Jokic had played like six games in eight days. And those two were battling where everyone's watching to see who the MVP is going to be. But you're like, neither of those guys is remotely fresh. Kyrie's showing you what it can look like when they are. The trade-off is not ideal. I'm sure they would prefer to have him much more of the games at somewhat less of a level. Like you said, maybe there's a happy medium 60% or something. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting because what we're seeing now, um, it, it just looks like he's uh, gliding around the court and you're like, yeah, we know he's amazing, but this is like something different. And I, I wonder how much of it is just like, yeah, he doesn't play back to backs. He gets five days off in between games, sometimes more. And, you know, now we're just getting to see the very best of him every single night. The other side of it is Steve Nash would have rested him sooner knowing there was a back-to-back. They host Luka Doncic. So he he wouldn't have got to run up his own score to 60 points. He would have been resting, you know, somewhere in that third quarter, I think. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, But, uh, yeah, so the the play-in is right around the corner. I think uh, most likely – we're looking at either Toronto or Cleveland. I do think there's a good chance Toronto will catch Cleveland, in which case um, it would probably be Brooklyn going to Cleveland. And that, that would also open up uh, more Kyrie Irving um, storylines with him returning to the team he won a championship on, the place he spent uh, the first six years of his career. So... There's uh, there's good storylines either way that will involve involve Kyrie Irving. Either he won't be able to play because of an international vaccine mandate, or uh, he'll be coming for blood. Yeah, I mean that would be awesome for the Nets if they could have him available for that playing game where it's a win and you're in scenario, and he's out there. Um, especially because as we'll talk about soon, you might not even have Ben Simmons available for that game. So you could really use Kyrie KD having to do all of that alone without Ben, without Kyrie in Toronto. Oh man. And Toronto is a more veteran team. I know Cleveland is the future, but they're just so young right now. You're not sure how they would fare in a high pressure moment like that. So I think that would be uh, awesome for the Nets if that were to play out. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it could be one of those, be careful what you wish for, because Cleveland is good. They have some talented guys. But, um, you know, when you look at the East, I don't think anyone would be too upset about having to start the playoffs against them. Yeah, and any of those be careful what you wish for scenarios where both of the guys who can score 50 on any given night are in the lineup, you don't have to be that careful. Just wish for it. Roll the dice. Absolutely. Absolutely.
Um, so as of now, if when I look at FanDuel, the Nets are still favored to win the East. How do you feel about that? Like, you know, all right, so two things with that. One, I think that it's very reasonable to have them as the favorite because if they're healthy, is there anyone else that you would really pick over them in the East? Hel- Probably not. With Ben Simmons also? Full, full roster, correct. See, I'm, I'm looking at their path, and it would be so treacherous. Um, I mean, obviously, if Kyrie's part-time, you like your chances with him on the road, but that's such a gauntlet to get through. Like, you might be starting in Miami or Milwaukee. Then you have to go to maybe Boston, and then you're in Philly or Milwaukee for the other. You know, you'd have to get through three really, really, really good contending teams just to make the finals. Um you can't love your cumulative odds to get through a gauntlet like that. Anything could happen. Kevin Durant could pick up, you know, even a minor injury uh, and be limited after those grueling, grueling series. But yeah, if Kyrie was suddenly available um, and n- next, I want to talk about the likelihood there because it's a similar theme about what mayor Eric Adams is saying, but there is a new update. Um, but if he were suddenly available, let's say, you know, March 31st or April 7th or whatever, I would like, I would certainly like them favored in game one on the road against any one of Milwaukee, Miami, or Philly. And so I guess that ultimately means they'd be favored to win that series, right? I agree. And I think that the other element is, you know, they, they may have just, they may just be kind of looking at this and being like, you know what, like we're, we're not going to lose big on Brooklyn. You know, we're not, we're not going to, put Brooklyn as a, as a significant underdog and get crushed on it. Because as soon as those odds dip to a certain point, everyone's going to think that they're the smartest guy in the room and bet on Brooklyn to win the East. So they might just be saying, you know what, let's just avoid that altogether. And, you know, if people want to do that, then they're looking at a, um, you know, an uphill battle where the odds aren't necessarily, um, you know, in their favor. Yeah. I think uh, of all the teams, they're going to see a big swing by, you know, this time in maybe two or three weeks by that play in because either nothing will be changed and Kyrie was still part-time and Ben Simmons has no timetable to return. They're not going to be favorites to make the East at all. They won't even be close. They'll probably be below uh, maybe where Boston is, but they'll probably be below Philly, Milwaukee and Miami. On the other hand, if they got, either of those, if they got Kyrie full-time or they got Ben Simmons back, then they might see an increase in their odds. Or if they got both, they might be favored to win the entire thing. But either way, looking at a big swing of a pendulum in terms of their odds. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, Mayor Adams, he basically said this morning, as we're recording this on Wednesday, I'm not going to be rushed into my decision. And Stefan Bondi, um, the local tabloids that gets the Daily News, was talking about how um, essentially this could coincide with baseball. Also the local baseball teams want the same thing that the Brooklyn Nets want for Barclay center. Cause they have some unvaccinated athletes. So when he says, I won't be rushed, we're going to continue to peel back as he put it. Um, it sounds like he wants to do this on his own time to not look like he's caving for sports specifically, or like one athlete because of the optics there, but there is a timetable. 
whether or not that's on the next schedule is still to be determined, but you know, opening day is April 7th. So if, if something happens before then it would not be any, any big surprise, but it would be huge for Brooklyn. Yeah. And so we should give a little bit of context earlier in the week, Durant uh, calls out Mayor Adams, right? And he basically, he basically calls him, he calls him by first name. And he basically says what a lot of people have voiced is that this makes no sense. Kyrie Irving, Let me read a couple of these quotes. Cause I want to ask you your feelings on what, what Durant said here. It's ridiculous. Okay. I don't understand it at all. There's a few people in our arena that's unvaxxed, right? It just feels like at this point now, someone's trying to make a statement on point to flex their authority. But, you know, everybody's out here looking for attention. And that's what I feel the mayor wants right now, some attention. But he'll figure it out soon. He better. People didn't understand what was going on, but now it just looks stupid. So hopefully, Eric, you guys can figure this out. So (laughs) not a respectful uh, comment. I'm not sure if this was predetermined or something emotional. He reacted. I wouldn't say he walked it back or apologized, but he did issue a statement saying he's frustrated and confused the next day. So maybe someone in Nets PR said, hey, let's not, uh, let's not give him any more reason to not take our side, right? So I'm going to go out on a limb and say this was definitely all intentional. I think that the Nets, knowing that they had this game where the camera was going to be on Kyrie Irving pretty much all the time and knowing how ridiculous it looked that he was in the arena without a mask sitting with uh, 20,000 other people who may or may not be vaccinated while his team was playing. It it was almost like, um, you know, it, it was, it was all coming out in the light for us to see. And so he was able to, he had the opportunity to put a voice to it in that moment and i think that it was probably determined that they should take advantage of of that moment and um call out the mayor now whether or not that was smart i don't know in some ways i I could i could actually see it backfiring like you said now mayor adams basically saying i'm not going to be pressured into this so if that was the uh, if that was the strategy maybe not the best one but i do think the Nets and Durant saw the opportunity with Kyrie Irving being there in attendance and thought like, okay, let's, let's really call this out. Let's point fingers at it and call it what it is. And, um, you know, that's where you got the strong statement from Durant. So, yeah, I mean, KD's an assassin, but I don't think he's got a career in politics ahead of him because I think there was, like you said, a huge opportunity to place Kyrie in the audience to expose that loophole. You know, he was at the, at the game, the Duke game the night before. Now, Mike Wilbon at halftime of that game on, I think, ABC said that was a mistake. It might have been Stephen A. Smith said that was a mistake because you're showing up the mayor. Didn't need to do that. Um, but had they done it silently and had Katie said it doesn't make sense to me to see him there un, unmasked, unvaccinated in the stands, but not with us, um, and just left it at that and said, I, I hope that something changes. I think that could have been a huge win for them. But, you know, saying it's ridiculous, it's stupid. The mayor's flexing a point to, to get some attention and calling him Eric two or three times. To me, that, that then you miss the opportunity and then it's a backfiring because now 
you know, someone in the mayor's office is probably going to warn the mayor, Hey, don't cave immediately. You're going to look like you were, you know, pressured by athletes. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, if, uh, if you, if you want to look at it a little further, you know, we sh- I should mention, you know, one of the reasons I'm sure that the mayor's office is thinking this through really carefully is that a lot of people in New York were just fired, right? Because of this very Correct. mandate. So if he lifts it now as the NBA playoffs are starting, when all these people just lost their job, you know, it's, it's a tough spot because even, even though the rule is dumb, what, what, what then happens to those people? Do they get their jobs back now? No. Probably not. Right. So he's in a tough spot and, and those um, jobs are going to be filled. Of course. Right. So, so if you're one of those people and you know, you, you want, you really were like, I'm, I'm not getting the vaccine. It costs me my job. And now they lift it because they want Kyrie Irving to play. You know, then, then that's not great for the mayor either. Yeah, so I guess that's why he's saying we're going to peel this back. We're not going to be rushed. We're thinking of 9 million people, not five athletes. Um, but if you had to parse between that type of language, he's saying I'm going to change it eventually. And so if you look at baseball as well, if he's getting pressured or he feels that it's weird or unfair to not have these guys playing or have rival players visiting the Bronx and Brooklyn and playing sports. Um, maybe he would, maybe he would do it in the next three weeks. If you were a betting person right now, would you bet that this changes, you know, by the first round of the playoffs or not? I can only go by the reports that we've heard from Woj, from Shams who have, who have, presumably have some some sort of inside information and everything that they've said is that there's confidence that the mandate will be lifted so nine times out of ten if you just go with those guys you're gonna be right and you know without any other info i'm i'm gonna assume there's a really good chance that that it's lifted yeah what about you yeah i mean but beyond that you have those guys saying that they feel it's inevitable even after hearing that uh, the mayor pushed back. You've got uh, Bondi saying, you know, a baseball spokesperson says, keep an eye on the uh, opening day because there could be a change before then. You've got the Vegas betting odds that have the Nets favored to come out of the East. Certainly they're factoring in the, the likelihood, if not um, overwhelming likelihood, that they think he's going to be out there full time. Otherwise, I think they would favor, you know, the uh, Miami or Milwaukee. Um and then you have the Nets team who's informing those opinions you mentioned from Woj and Shams. You know, maybe they know a little bit more than we do because, you know, they show size a billionaire. Maybe he can make some phone calls to City Hall and at least learn more than we know. So if they're optimistic. It's, when it's in doubt, happening. when in doubt, go with Vegas, right? Let's just that, that's that's one of our that's one of our guiding principles. Go with Vegas, not go with him. Woj and, and let the chips fall where they may. Right. <laughs> Exactly. You got both of them exactly. saying it's inevitable basically at this point. So yeah, I, I guess the Nets are going to have Kyrie back for the first round if they can make the first round, because whatever happens in New York City wouldn't change what happens in Toronto. Um so all right, let's talk about the next biggest thing. They have another all-star on this team who still has no timetable to return. And you and I are now both on record saying this trade looks pretty darn good. 
How do we resolve that fact that Ben Simmons isn't even playing one-on-one yet? You've got Brian Lewis of the New York Post saying he's talked to these orthopedics who don't expect Ben Simmons back at all because if he's got this chronic back issue, impingement going back to 2020, and he's not even practicing, how confident could we be that he's going to be playing basketball in the next month? Well, you, you know, you, you wrote a great piece this week on why the early returns are showing that the Nets uh, may, have, may have, in fact, got the best of this deal. And, you know, I, w- I would agree part of that, obviously, is what we've seen from Harden in the early going. But the other part of it is what, what you touched on, which is what we imagine this team can be if and when Ben Simmons returns healthy. Um, you know, we've, it's, it's going to be pretty crazy when he finally comes back, we're going to be coming up on a year since he last played. So they continue to express confidence. I don't think they'd hold return if he can't get back in time to play a few regular season games, but I guess it's possible with how good the team has looked lately. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, Steve Nash has basically said I'm very, very optimistic, which is not confident. Um, the, the time keeps getting pushed. Sean Marks, when he appeared, had said he hoped by the end of this current week, which would be a couple days, that he's practicing. It does not appear that that is going to be the case. So if you were hoping that he could play by, you know, the 21st, or the 22nd, I'm, I'm comfortable pushing that back now at least another week to the 28th. How many games does that even leave you? So the question now in my mind is, can he be ready for the play-in or the first round of the playoffs more so than the regular season? Because until he's back practicing five-on-five, I'm not expecting him to get out there. Yeah, I mean, all we've seen him do is um, rebound for Patty Mills. So uh, we need we need to see – we need to read the article and see the um, highlights. Ben Simmons plays three-on-three three teammates rave about how good he looks return appears imminent then we get the piece they're targeting the game against you know whatever bad team charlotte orlando the houston rockets that's when we'll know we're getting close dude ben ben simmons was not on the bench for charlotte he was not on the bench for boston he was not on the bench for orlando the only game of the last few that he's showed up for was the drive was the the you know, the one they could drive to, to Philly. And so some of that was like you talked about in the past, some exposure to the elements there in Philly in case they met in the playoffs, but they're leaving him at home because airplane rides and hotel beds does not loosen up your back. If that's the point that they're at, then they're definitely not at the point where he's practicing with Andre Drummond and banging with Kevin Durant. Yeah, so so then my question, I guess, is what about the home games? Is it just a matter of they don't even want him sitting for prolonged periods, I guess? No, I think he, those are all road games, so I think he will be at the home games. Okay, because he wasn't there. Um, who did they play on, on Sunday? Oh, the Knicks. He wasn't at the, at the Knicks game with Barclays, was he? Uh, I can't recall off the top of my head. Pretty sure he wasn't. Um, so... I don't know. Maybe it's just a situation where he's been sitting on those back pillows, those light blue back pillows. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I I, I don't know. Um, Seth Curry also uh, been out with the ankle. Hopefully that's um, what they're as advertised. Not a big deal at all, but 
Well, they um, talked about how it's one. not like he just rolled it, but it's like something he's been dealing with. Steve Nash said it's it's been there and that he used the word ankle calf. So I don't know what that means, but I guess it's worse than if he just rolled it one night because it's like imply that maybe it's been something he's got for a couple weeks now. Hmm. Has, okay. It hasn't impacted him at all when on the court, though. He's played great. He's shooting like almost 50% from three in the uniform. Hmm. Yeah, he really is uh, a perfect fit, um, as as we've talked about. Although, you know, maybe that's just the case for him. Anyway, he's just he's just really he's just a really good offensive player. So, so yeah, plug and play um, player. Would, would you, if you had to say, um, do you think he's an upgrade on Joe Harris? Uh, that's a good question. Um, no, I don't. I do. I, I didn't think so, but um, after having watched a little more, I just think he brings a little more. He can do some pick and roll. Uh, he can put the ball on the floor a little bit, and he's every bit the shooter that Joe Harris is. So I, I actually think that they're a better team now, uh, which which um, I wouldn't have said maybe a couple months ago. The, the counterpoint I would make to that is, and obviously it's awesome to have – him and already what he has done for Mills, who was entering a long, a long cold streak, because I think he was fatigued, logging the most minutes of his career. Um, so he's already picking up the pace again, which I think is in large part because of Curry's presence, taking the pressure off Mills. Um, and to the point where if you could ever have Harris, that'd be awesome. My The reason I would take Harris is because Harris is not at all a reluctant three-point shooter, and, and Curry very much is. Curry... I don't know if it's a combination of his size and the fact that he's the all-time leading three-point percentage shooter, but he he likes to pass up threes and step into long twos. Um, he likes to give give up threes and then pass the ball again. Harris is just completely unconscious. So if you were in a conference finals game, I think that is pretty valuable to a team that already has uh, KD and Kyrie. Whereas bringing Seth in to spell that or bringing Harris off the bench would be uh, really, really valuable. Also, he's got a little more size defensively. But that's fair. That's but maybe fair. I'm wrong. I don't know. It's close either way. It would be they'd be a much better team if they had Harris. Yeah, agree, agree. But you know, like when I'm watching James Harden play, and we should say this because his first four games in Philly were amazing. His second four were not, and a lot of what the problems that we saw in Brooklyn that we worried about paying him long-term the combination that Seth Curry and Andre Drummond have done in replacing the void of James Harden, even without Ben Simmons is not terrible. You know, are you getting 60% of what Harden was now in Curry and Drummond? It's possible. It's not crazy to wonder that. And so the chances that you replace some of Harden with those two guys and then ask Kyrie to do a little bit more, ask Kevin Durant to do a little bit more, and then seeing what they've done. Um, it makes the trade look pretty good. And we're not even talking about Ben Simmons. Like there's a scenario where if Ben Simmons can come back healthy for this playoff, that this team is by far the most talented team in the NBA. And that would include, you know, Draymond's return to Golden State and Chris Paul's return to Phoenix Suns. You think that's fair? Or am I out of line? <laughs> I don't I don't think you're out of line. I, you know, I I don't think 
so the so the question is if if Harden didn't um, basically stage his own protests around the deadline, would the Nets still have a wanted to make this trade and b should they have made the trade? I think you can make a case for both that maybe you know maybe this was the right move regardless of what Harden wanted. Um, like you said, you know, watching him in Philly. He's still he's still putting up the numbers, but um, man, like I'm watching him in these matchups where he's being guarded by like just just a guy, and you know is is just has no chance of getting step. So um, I don't know. I mean, Harden's obviously got the passing. And he's still he's still putting up numbers. He probably always will. Like he's just he's just twenty points automatically when he's out on the floor. But um, I, I don't know. Hard to know. Still the questions about the hamstring. You know, I've seen a few times where there's been a, a loose ball and he's kind of uh, refrained from really yeah. going after it. So I I don't think of that play he had in Detroit (laughs) earlier this year where he yeah right. So it it might just be a thing where he's just like I'm not sprinting unless it's Game Seven of the Finals, no matter what. Um, As someone who's had chronically uh, tight and pulled hamstrings, I I can almost see his thought process out there, where he's just like I'm I'm just gonna kind of stay in third gear. And, um, you know, his games obviously never had a lot of sprinting to it. But now even more, it it just seems like you're getting kind of a stifled version of him. So, I don't know. Nets got deeper. They got younger. They got healthier. They didn't lose any shooting. They probably got better on defense. They filled some holes. Um, Not bad. Not too bad. Well, to your point, if I – knew what I now know that Ben Simmons is going to have a back issue that might end his season entirely. I definitely would not have executed this trade. They did. Um, But I don't know that I shouldn't have anyway, if that makes sense. Maybe I should have still done it because Ben Simmons over the next three years of his salary makes him the longest tenured net other than Kevin Durant. We'll see what happens with Kyrie's free agency. Um, And yeah, those ancillary pieces that they got in Seth and Drummond, uh, the two picks, they don't look so ancillary today. They look pretty darn good. And um, it, it'll be interesting to see where this team winds up and how much of a fully locked and loaded, fully available team they can finally get out there uh, over the next two, three weeks. We're going to get a lot of answers in the next three weeks to many of the questions that we've had basically all season long. Absolutely. It's going to be... It's going to be great. I I really don't remember looking forward to the playoffs uh, as much as I am this year. A lot of times, the first round just seems like something we have to get through. I'm constantly bemoaning to you on our text about how uh, it should go back to best of five in the first round. I don't feel that way this year. Uh, I think I think it's going to be great from the jump. Yeah, there's not like the uh, the Milwaukee versus Orlando where you're texting me. I can't believe they're even playing these games. <laughs> we, we need the rule. NBA TV series. Yeah, it's it's awkward. This is going to be on tonight. It should have ended once it was 3-0. I can't believe they're making them play the fourth game, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. Um, this is not even, your uh, <laughs> even Atlanta. Like if they got in, I don't know. Have you seen Trey Young's numbers the last week? I can't say I'd be like thrilled to play them. I was just having this conversation. So there's a world where the Nets have to go to Toronto without Kyrie, without Ben Simmons. If they lose that game, which if it got to that point and they didn't have Ben or Curry, it wouldn't be shocking to lose that game. You know, Nick Nurse puts those guys on KD and makes everyone else beat them. Um, then they would be home hosting a game potentially without Ben Simmons and Kyrie, welcoming Trey Young. And, I, you know, you don't want to be part of that game either. Single game elimination. Definitely right? not. Definitely not. Trey, Trey Young will shoot 16 threes in that game. He'll be bowing and, at uh, the Barclay Center. <laughs> <laughs> if he hits, if he hits like seven or eight of them, then it's probably going to be a close game. So yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, Atlanta, um, they 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 haven't been able to figure it out all year for for reasons we can't really figure out. But they're talented, that's for sure. So I don't know. There's no easy outs. Yeah. So Nets fans, you're you're watching the mayor. You're hoping Ben Simmons can practice. And you're hoping that uh, Cleveland sinks below the Raptors, I suppose, and that the Nets stay in that uh, that seven eight seed range. Um, yes, I agree. Last thing, uh, do you think that we will see some tanking, some jockeying for position at the top of the standings to avoid the Nets in the first round? Philly, Milwaukee. Um, Teams like that, do, do you think that they will go out of their way to to try not to play the Nets? We're already hearing um, out of from the Sixers that that you know they're going to try to rest and be hardened down the stretch, which is a good idea regardless. But you do wonder. Yeah, I don't know that we're going to get any smoking gun evidence. I think we joked before the season, like uh, or earlier in the year, could we see a team, uh, you know, looking for in in a game for the one seed, try to give it up to avoid the nets. Um, I don't know that we're going to see that like healthy scratching Giannis basically, but I think we'll see it where it's like, you know, deciding to load manage this game is essentially tanking, even though it's smart. If I was the Sixers, you know, I'm watching Joel Embiid play these back-to-backs 40 plus minutes per night. That's not ideal. He took some hard falls against Denver and he's going to play again against the Cavs. James Harden, I haven't watched him once all season without thinking in the back of my mind about his hamstrings. Um, so I would want those guys load managed anyway, and I don't mind at all that it might increase my chances of that three seed, which Kevin O'Connor said. That's basically the one seed because you don't have to worry about playing Brooklyn. They're not going to catch the six seed. Basketball reference gives the Nets 2.5% chance to catch that six seed right now. Two and a half. Oh, wow. Okay. So then there you go. That's That's very unlikely. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. We'll see how it all unfolds these last couple of weeks. Let's hope everyone stays healthy and um, gets healthy. You know, let's, uh, yeah, and gets healthy. And um, yeah, anything else you'll be looking for in this uh, final final home stretch? Yeah, I want to see if uh, Nick Claxton and Cam Thomas can play well enough to uh, stay in the playoff rotation, basically, because Claxton always gives this team a, a dimension that I'm like, wow, that, that's some of the best basketball they've played all season long. When it, when I have said that this year, he's been out there. So, Agreed. Agreed on both counts. All right, Greg, thanks so much for joining. If you want to go back to your Brooklyn chants, 
before we... Frozen. Frozen. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Dave. Look right. forward to uh, getting together next week. Take care. Yep.